Today on the newscast, we get an up-close look at Israel's border security fence with the man who designed it. Are there lessons here for America and other nations struggling with insecure borders? Find out next. Hey folks, Eric Stackelbeck here. Welcome to the Watchman Newscast. We've all seen the images over the past several months at the U.S.-Mexico border, the chaos there, and the numbers are staggering. Over 200,000 people apprehended at America's southern border in the month of July alone, and the numbers were not much better in August. Remember, many of those people who are caught at the border are then released into the United States. Now, we don't have the official statistics for the month of September yet, but folks, to just give you a preview, what we saw a few weeks ago in Del Rio, Texas, under the International Bridge, where we had a huge makeshift refugee camp with tens of thousands of people gathering under that bridge in September 2021, not a good indicator for what the official numbers will say for that month. It's a major problem without a doubt. President Trump attempted to build a border wall. The Biden administration has torpedoed those plans. That's off the table. So what should America do in approaching what is a catastrophe, and that's not an exaggeration, at the southern border? Many people have pointed to Israel and the great success of Israel's security fence that it built along its border with the West Bank, the Palestinian territories there. The West Bank, or what the Bible calls, and what we call here at the Watchman Newscast, Judea and Samaria, the biblical heartland. Israel built a 450-mile security fence. About 95% of it is fence, and only 5% is concrete wall of this security barrier that Israel built. Nevertheless, the quote-unquote international community, and many in it, call this an apartheid wall, which couldn't be further from the truth. What this security barrier, which again is mostly fence, did do is it put a stop to the wave of suicide bombings, Palestinian suicide bombers who were crossing from the West Bank into Israel and murdering Israelis as part of the Second Intifada or uprising, Palestinian uprising against Israel between the years 2000 and 2006, during that period, over 1,000 Israelis, men, women, and children, were killed. There were thousands of terror attacks, and many of the perpetrators, again, crossed over from the West Bank, Judea, and Samaria into Israel to conduct these attacks. That came, thankfully, to a screeching halt, for the most part, around 2006, when Israel completed this security barrier. We had a chance a little while back to travel to Jerusalem just outside of uh, the security barrier where we met with Colonel Danny Terza. He is the architect, the designer of Israel's very successful security barrier. Take a look. Well, Danny, tell us where we are right now. Okay, we're standing now at the southeast neighborhood of Jerusalem. This neighborhood behind you is called Gilo neighborhood, G-I-L-O. About 45,000 Israelis are living here, and we are just on the municipal boundary of Jerusalem. This is Jerusalem, Israel, and this is the West Bank. If you look down the valley, you can see from here there are two roads. One road where the traffic runs on, second road, nobody on it, and then you can see a wire fence. 
Well, this wire fence there is the security fence. Well, oops, wherever you've seen the security fence in the media, they always show you those concrete walls. Well, there are concrete walls. You can see some of them there on the mountain. But please remember, only 5% of this huge project of 451 miles long, only 5% are concrete walls. All the other are wire fences, as you can see down the valley here, you'll never see them in the media. It's amazing because we hear so much about this apartheid wall in Israel, but, yeah. but Colonel, you're saying, look, this is only 5% of this long structure, but which by the way, you designed, so you know of which you speak. Tell us about the thought process behind designing the security fence. Well, in summer 2000, we were in Camp David, Maryland, and as you know, Prime Minister Ehud Barak offered the Palestinian 94% of the West Bank, all, uh, all Gaza Strip, large areas in Jerusalem, and even the Temple Mountain. But he asked Yasser Arafat from one, for one thing, that he will sign that this agreement is the end of the conflict between our two people. And Yasser Arafat couldn't do it. So everything crashed down there. And uh, just six weeks later, the Palestinians started a terror attack against Israel. The Second Intifada. What they're calling the Second Intifada. And of course, I don't use the, their terms because it means, every word means something behind it. Uh, well, first they were shooting from their areas toward Jewish neighborhoods in Jerusalem. Then they were sending terrorists first with cockle bottles and hand grenades then shooting in the streets, putting bombs wherever they can, and then the suicide bombers and the explosive uh, cars, and of course all the life in Israel have changed in one day. There were three uh, young girls from the Haitian refugee camp that wanted to create a terror attack in Jerusalem. So they just took a taxi from the Haitian refugee camp to Lida refugee camp. When these three terrorists saw the border police here, two of them got cold feet and they went back to the refugee camp. One of them succeeded to get to the a bus station during the street. He got on public bus number 32. The bus was crowded with children in the way to school and he waited. He waited till the bus came in front of the school and then he blew up himself. There were 19 children that were murdered in this terror attack and 62 that were wounded. And everyone was shocked in Israel, not because it was the first terror attack, not because it was the biggest terror attack, then because this terror attack was intended to hit little children. This is not how freedom fighters are acting. This is how terrorists are acting. Well, at that time, the prime minister of Israel was Ariel Sharon. You know, Ariel Sharon was a very famous general in the army before he came to the politics. He was in his office here in Jerusalem, less than one kilometer from the place that this terror attack took place. He said to his people, I want to go there. I want to see it in my own eyes. They said to him, you are not in the army anymore. You are now the prime minister of Israel. You cannot go to such dangerous places. But he insists, and in the end, they took him to the street. It was all bloody there. Some of the wounded were still on the ground. And although he was in so many battles, he was shocked to see these little children. 19 children. 19 children. Purposely targeted. Yeah. And there were 19 children that were murdered and 62 that were wounded. It took another two weeks. Another big terror attack in Passover evening in Natania. And the government took the first decision to let the army design and build a security fence. And that was the moment when I got the mission to be the head of this project. Well, as the government didn't want to build it, 
the government didn't want to get inside the details of the route of defense. So I was the bad guy that had to walk on the ground, define the right line of defense, and build it as fast as I can. Wow. These sound like turning points in the decision to see these horrific suicide bombings, children targeted. And Colonel, this was a nonstop flow, people need to understand, coming from the West Bank of suicide bombers. This was becoming an epidemic in Israel. Something had to be done to stop it. And what were the effects after the fence was built? What happened? From 2000 till 2006, the end of 2006, we had in Israel about 4,000 terror attacks. In this period, we lost 1,652 people that were murdered from terror attacks. A lot of others were wounded. And from January 2007 till today, we had only 33 terror attacks from the West Bank, and we lost in this period 18 people. Of course, I cannot say only because everyone is a whole world, but you can see the difference. But that's, it's that's not astounding. only. That's but an it's astounding not, difference. But it's not only the fence. The fence is the infrastructure on the yeah. ground. If the soldiers are not working here, if uh, the intelligence is not working here, if there are no good relations with the Palestinian side and very good coordination with the Palestinian police, it doesn't work. What do you make of the world's reaction? Many times we hear this called an apartheid wall, even though only 5% of this 400 mile long structure is a wall. Um, what do you make of the, the so-called international community's view of the fence? Well, as an officer, I have to stop the terror. That's my mission. But of course, I understand what's going on around. First, I have to tell you that it's not apartheid because there are Jews and Arabs that are living in both sides of the fence. Mm -hmm. There are some Arabs and some Palestinians that are living in Israel, more than a million point two uh, Palestinians living inside Israel. Most of them are Israeli civilians. They have everything in Israel. Uh, and there are about 300,000 Israeli residents in the West Bank, what is called the settlers. So it's not apartheid because there are Jews and Arabs in both sides. And it's not a, a, a wall because only 5% of it is a concrete wall. Very important information there given by Colonel Danny Terza. Again, the man who designed Israel's highly effective security barrier. No matter where you fall on this issue in terms of what America should do, about border security, you can't argue that the security fence in Israel, and again, 95% fence, it has done its job without question. It has kept Israelis safe. Hey, if you like that clip with Colonel Danny Terza, you will love our weekly Watchman TV show. Hey, we're getting on the ground in Israel and other points across the Middle East on a regular basis to bring you the firsthand, up-close view of what's happening in the world's most strategic, most chaotic region, and how it affects you no matter where you live. Be sure to check us out every Thursday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on TBN and also Fridays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Don't miss it. Hey, keep my country, the United States, in your prayers. Obviously, the instability at our southern border is just one of many problems we are facing right now. And I have a feeling things won't turn back around until we, as a nation, turn back to the Lord. Thanks so much for joining us here today on the Watchman Newscast. Until tomorrow, God bless you. And remember, never hold your peace.